Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind-the-scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am very excited because we have Stu Davidoff here from Gigantic. And Gigantic is all about better for you, healthier, guilt-free chocolate bars, which I think the world is what? Tell me more about this. Who doesn't want that? So Stu, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ainsley. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. You've created something that, seriously, I feel like people have been like waiting for it. This isn't like a power bar. This isn't a candy bar full of junk. This is a better for you chocolate bar, if you will, or something that we don't need to feel as guilty about. Can, can you talk to me a little bit more about how I even came up with this? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Thanks for that great intro. I'm going to use some of those lines. When I have to do the intro and feature events. So how did they come up with it? I was a kid who grew up in the suburbs, ate a lot of fast food and junk food and candy bars were just one of my favorite things. If I had the little extra money in my pocket and I was at the store, I'd make a beeline to the candy shelf and pick up a Snickers or a Milky Way or a whatchamacallit or one of my favorite candy bars. It was always what I was looking for. And over time, like a lot of people, I guess I became a little more health conscious and also my palate changed, my taste in food changed. You know, I became a New Yorker. I started eating at all sorts of interesting restaurants. And over time, your desire or even tolerance for like a certain level of sweetness changes. And um, so I'd become this adult that still was super into food and super into everything I ate. And I was sitting at, actually at this table where I'm sitting, doing this podcast right now, which is my kitchen table. And uh, one day eating a salad as a healthy person often does for lunch. And at the end of that salad, like Many other salad eaters may know you're not often feeling like you ate a full lunch. You need a little something extra. And I always had like my go-to dark chocolate bar. And that's what I evolved into was eating this fancy dark chocolate that I enjoyed. But just on that day, it was October a few years ago. I was thinking about Halloween and Halloween candy and just thinking, why is there no actual candy bar for me? Uh, this little dark chocolate square, it's fine. It's delicious. But what I'm really wishing I had in my hand right now is a candy bar. And it just 
didn't exist. The candy bar for someone who has grown out of those old school candy bars didn't exist. And I started working on the project that day. I can totally resonate with you. My after dinner snack is like a piece of dark chocolate. Sometimes if I want to go wild, I'll put like peanut butter and a walnut on it. How sad is that? (laughs) (laughs) Like the actual treat like that. I love that you really have made almost like a grown up, more sophisticated candy bar, but your brand is still so fun. I love your brand. It's very fun. It's very big. It's very bold. Why did you decide to make the brand the way that you did versus I think a lot of times when people want to make it like a healthy alternative to something, they make it look like really healthy, if you will. Talk to me about that. Thanks for the question. I thought about this a lot and I've been a health food shopper for a long time. After I moved to the city after college, my eyes were open to the world of like restaurants and nutrition, both. And it's, I'd be someone who thought we started just shopping for organic produce and better for you stuff all the time. So I've been, I've been in the first Whole Foods that I wrote with New York. I've shopped there from day one. And so I'm pretty familiar with how a lot of these better for you brands are, are uh, represented on shelf. And like you said, they often, I often wonder who they think they're marketing to. Is it like, do they have the stereotype of an aging hippie who's still like the health food shopper? You know what I mean? And that's changed a lot in the last few years. I mean, the branding of better for your products has definitely changed. But at the time I was working in Gigantic, I was like, that doesn't speak to me anymore. It never really did. I would always buy those products because I was just like a label reader. I wanted something better for me. And the way it was visually like speaking to me on the shelf didn't really matter. But for me, creating my own brand, I wanted it to be something that would speak to me. There's something that I would be sort of just psyched to look at, to have in my hands that I could almost identify with personally. And I also have a vision for Gigantic that one day will be on shelf next to things like Snickers and Milky Way and these old school candy bars that are very recognizable brands. And I wanted Gigantic to have like a shelf presence that would that would really stand out and stand up for itself when it is on that shelf with those big, well-known brands. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely very relevant to your shopper. And so talk to me about that then right now. What has been your strategy from an on-shelf perspective? Are you going in the better for you section? Are you more so targeting? Yeah, I want to be next to Snickers and Mars, which makes a lot of sense to be next to them. But where are you targeting right now? And where have you had the best traction with stores? This goes back to the what I wanted to do versus what I could do. There are a lot of circumstances that go into that, which is... When I started developing the product, it was before the pandemic, and I always envisioned just being directly on store shelves, not direct to consumer, because the way I would normally want to try a candy bar as a consumer is see it at the store, pick it up, check it out, and buy one, maybe two if there's a couple of flavors. It wouldn't be normal behavior for me as a consumer to go to someone's website and buy a new candy bar I've never tried at a higher price point and buy it in an eight pack. So I envisioned this product being on store shelves, but the pandemic completely changed that all around and landed up launching in the middle of pandemic when the stores were trying to keep toilet paper and bottled water on the shelves and they weren't entertaining new better for you candy brands there wasn't yeah. a priority at all i really had no choice but to launch a direct consumer so that's what we did mm-hmm. out of necessity and the other thing is in terms of where do we want to be at, and, and now i'm focused a lot more but now that things are opening up now things have changed I'm focusing a lot more on stores, but I am focused more on the sort of specialty and natural channel because it goes back to who does our brand and our product appeal to right now. And to me, it's a couple of different types of people and and sometimes the intersection of those people, which is someone who's a health conscious person, a health conscious eater, and someone who's a foodie. I think they both appreciate what we've done 
And really someone who's the health conscious booty is really like the perfect <laughs> consumer for us. Because to me, one reason Gigantic is so great is because it's not only better for you, but also more delicious than those like super sweet sugar bombs that came before us. I can't enjoy a Snickers bar anymore. It's too sweet. The analogy I would use is if you're cooking with salt and you put too much salt in your dish, you've overdone it, you've ruined it. And I feel the same way about sweetness. I know a lot of other people do. So if you're a foodie and you don't tolerate that level of sweetness anymore, you can't really enjoy a lot of the traditional candy bars that are out there on shelf. And you're not really looking for a Snickers or Mars. You're not really shopping that section anymore either. But you also have to appreciate the innovation on the nutritional panel that we've achieved as well to appreciate what gigantic is. So it's not just a sweetness we cut down. We took the sugar down to seven grams per bar, which is about two thirds less than an equivalent size traditional candy bar would be. That's very substantial. When you go to Whole Foods and you look at a lot of better for you products, often what you'll find is, and this is not to knock these products, but often what you find is they remove the artificial flavor and they remove maybe the artificial color, but the nutritional panel is pretty much the same. So my approach to gigantic was to really make it a completely different product nutritionally than a candy bar, but still give you that really delicious candy bar experience. And our target market is someone who can appreciate both of those things. Yeah, that is not an easy at all. Like how it's just not, right? Like so many times you need to substitute a lot of artificial things to replace sometimes another artificial thing. Like you're completely plant-based, all real ingredients, only seven grams of sugar. That is not an easy feat. And y'all you have delicious candy bars in multiple flavors. Talk to me about how, how did you even come to do that? Did you hire a food scientist right off the bat? How did you, how did you really bring that like? Because that is, yeah, it's difficult to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I would say for sure it wasn't easy. And I'd like to see side by side the number of R&D hours that went into creating Gigantic, not only our first version, but the second version versus the number of R&D that went into any sort of traditional candy bar like a Snickers. And I really wonder how much we put into it, how that ranks, because it was a very long process. And I, before Gigantic, I was working on something else, a beverage concept that I'd started in my own apartment and then realized when you go to try to commercialize it, you can't really do what you were doing in your apartment anymore. And you have to go back to the drawing board. And I started working on Gigantic simultaneously and had a relationship with a really awesome R&D group that, really, that have primarily culinary backgrounds. People also have PhDs in fancy food stuff but really all came from the restaurant industry and consulted for many Michelin star restaurants. So they could really appreciate what I was trying to achieve and understood a lot of the science that we needed to use to really use all natural real food ingredients. This isn't an engineered product, but you, you need, I think, both of those backgrounds. It was an R&D group and it took a long time and there was a lot of guardrails I put on the product because I wanted people to be able to fully enjoy this product without thinking twice, without... Mm -hmm. Or the grossness. If you do still enjoy Snickers, probably if you're a health conscious person and you eat one, you have some level of, okay, I can't do that again for a month, or you feel physically not great, but you have some negative thoughts about it probably <laughs> after you've eaten it. And um, I had guardrails in this product, so there really would be no negativity where you could eat this candy bar and just fully enjoy it, like just full stop. I just loved that candy bar. And you don't have to think about, am I allowed to eat anything the rest of the day? Or am I allowed to <laughs> something sweet tomorrow. It's not like that. If you flip over the nutritional gigantic and you didn't know it was a candy bar, you'd never, and I, I made you guess what is this product inside this package. You wouldn't guess it's a candy bar. It's going to look a lot more like the rest of your macros for the day. So the guardrails I put on were obviously things I've talked about, lowering the sweetness, bringing the sugar down to under 10 grams of sugar per bar, 
I wanted to make it completely plant-based for reasons that we can get into or not. <laughs> and I had other guardrails about ingredients that we're going to use. There's historically a lot of issues with the sourcing of chocolate. So I wanted to make sure that's another thing that make, can make someone feel negatively about eating chocolate is where did this chocolate come from, who grew it, and what were the conditions those people lived in or worked under. We only use fair trade organic chocolate from a supplier that we can really trust. And it happens to be gluten-free. There's really no reason to put gluten in our product unless we wanted to do something like a cookie inside. So it was easy to make it gluten-free as well. So there's all these, these, all these attributes of Gigantic that we really focused on to make sure that it was just fully enjoyable. Love that. There's definitely like a lot of guardrails. I'm sure that the RMD team was so excited about this. Like what a fantastic project to work on. Hey, let's make a delicious chocolate bar that is far better for you, but that still looks, tastes, acts like a chocolate bar. What a fantastic problem to solve. And really, it's only a matter of time before someone solved that problem. Maybe you guys have solved that problem. Yeah, it was fun. I know I love my R&D group and they really enjoy working on it. It is a fun project to work on. Sometimes they get things in their plate that aren't as personally (laughs) entertaining for them, but I know we all love working on this together. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, you mentioned that you did decide to make it plant-based. Could you dive into that? I'm curious why you decided to go that route. Sure. There's a couple reasons, maybe more than a couple, but I grew up with lactose intolerance. I probably didn't realize it for a lot of my childhood. I had a revelation at one point as the fact that I had lactose intolerance that changed my life. So I wanted to make something completely dairy-free for all the people who are lactose intolerant. And the other thing is that I think we come to a point of understanding in the world that the way we undertake animal agriculture is not really positive for the world. And I really think that anyone bringing a new food or beverage product to market, if they can avoid using animal products, they, they just should. Like if there's no reason to make your product out of an animal product, avoid it if you can. Try to innovate around that. We have plenty of delicious animal products to eat. Anyone who's a meat eater, you have so many choices. What I think we need is more delicious choices for people that are made completely out of plants. That's, that's going to benefit the environment and it's going to benefit us as humans ultimately depending on your perspective on it it's going to be much kinder to the animals as well so i just felt like i didn't want to put something new into the world that was going to contribute to an ongoing problem that i recognize as an ongoing problem so that's the main reason i did it it was extremely challenging caramel is made out of dairy and sugar and so we're trying to massively reduce the sugar and completely cut out the dairy and make something that's got that delicious caramelly gooey texture just so you wouldn't even know. Something I really wanted to focus on gigantic is like a lot of better for you products ask the consumer to make a trade-off or a sacrifice. Well, we'll give you something that's dairy-free or we'll give you something that's healthier, but in return, you have to accept something that's not as delicious or that doesn't have the right texture, right? Or, or it doesn't really taste right. And I didn't want that trade-off at all in gigantic. And I think that's what we've achieved is that we've made something that if you didn't know it was plant-based or vegan, from the label, you'd never know eating it. You shouldn't know. If we've done what I think we've done, it was really a big challenge and um, really happy and, and proud with how it came out. Yeah, you put so many like constraints, which is awesome. You put so many constraints on the R&D team. Is it like, how do we make this possible? And you guys found a way to make it possible, which is great. I'm curious, you guys recently went through like gigantic V2. Talk yes. to me about the difference of B1, B2, what did that look like? And yeah. why did you decide that needed to happen? Yeah, yeah. I'm really psyched about this. And I, I guess when I launched, I knew that I treated it as an experiment. And, and, and I had a feeling like 
the product would need some sort of change. You don't know it till you put it out there into the world. I just took in as much information from as many sources as I could after we launched and throughout that whole time, tried to assimilate it, tried to think about what, what was I hearing often enough that it mattered and what things I heard really resonated with me as the founder and really hit a nerve, <laughs> if they were negative, especially. So from a consumer standpoint, the biggest change in V2 is it's more delicious. We improve the texture of the caramel so that it's really more of a smooth, gooey, fully candy bar caramel. The version one of the product wasn't quite like that. And in retrospect, we could have made it like that, but we had something that I think some people would experience as a texture more in between a candy bar and a protein bar. We had some, there was basically almond butter and almond flour in that caramel initially, which gave it more of that, a nuttier, it's almost like a little bit of a grainier texture in between. And I think it was creating some like dissonance or confusion for people when they ate it. Oh, it's halfway between a candy bar and a protein bar. And I wanted it to be squarely in the candy bar camp. And we achieved that with V2. And then behind the scenes, we ran into a lot of supply chain issues, like a lot of people did in those years, where literally when I went to make my second um, round of product, one of our key ingredients was gone from the market, essentially. Oh, my so, gosh, so painful. Yeah. So one thing I focused on in the reformulation was to simplify our ingredient panel. I think we have three or four fewer ingredients in each flavor now, and really focusing on ingredients that we feel are going to be more readily available and don't often run into supply issues or haven't historically run into supply issues. And also from a production standpoint, behind the scenes, we having as many ingredients as we did initially and some ingredients that are a little harder to work with. Like imagine opening a tub of almond butter and it's separated, then you got to mix it up and then you got to measure it out. And there's certain ingredients that you find when you're in production that are problematic to work with. So it was really smoothing out the production process really to, in order to scale. It's really hard to scale when your product is slow and difficult to make. <laughs> I focused on all these things in the reformulation, just trying to solve so many problems that we came across in the first year or so after we launched. And I think managed to solve them all. And then there were some packaging updates and some messaging updates as well. Just really everything I could do. I wanted to get the product and the packaging and the branding and the messaging all ready to be like at that point where I really felt like now it's time to grow. It's like really time to step on the gas pedal. It's out of that initial experimentation mode. It's always going to be an experiment because you always want the feedback from people and you always want to get better. At least I do. But it wasn't really time for me at, at first to grow it as aggressively as possible because I wasn't sure the, the proper foundation was in place. And I think with V2, I've addressed as many things as I could so that I feel like the, the foundation is really solid now. It makes a huge difference when you feel like 100% confident and this is the formula, this is the messaging shifts, I think, how you put there. But is the thing pedal to the metal? You can like yeah. really put your foot down yeah, and just exactly. go because you know that you have a winning concept. And I think that's something a lot of people don't always take into consideration the fact that, yeah, maybe V1, it's out there. It is a bit of a beta in some ways. We still want to go full out with it. But it's being open to that feedback and being willing to adjust it to make their growth and impact that you really want. Yeah, it's hard to survive that phase. You have to have the persistence, the perseverance and to get through it. And you have to have the funding or you have to be able to personally fund it yourself to survive that. I understand. I could have imagined a situation where if my B1 wasn't good enough, I would have had to just shut it down because sometimes you don't have the ability to go to B2. And luckily I did. Talk to me a bit about your, I guess, your mindset behind all this, because I really see that you have looked at the project from, okay, I want to solve this big problem. Let's go gigantic with it. Let's go all in with it, if you will. Um, but then also be open 
to changing and adapting along the way. Talk to me a little bit about how you approach business as a whole. I guess that's like a really broad question, but how do you look at business and that long-term growth with the immediate everyday actions as well? I do have a business background. It was completely unrelated to CPG and almost unrelated to reality in a way. Uh, the reason I say that is I spent a long time, 10 years after grad school in a financial job where if you just walked into um, my workplace and saw what I was doing, you might think I was just playing a complex video game all day. I just had six computer screens that I looked at. There was lots of flashing numbers and data. Every once in a while, I'd pick up a phone and hit a certain button and say something in a lingo that you wouldn't understand to other players in this game. It was its own little world where ultimately what we were doing was managing a fund in a, this sort of SO strategy. And I had to understand the businesses that were behind a lot of the securities we were investing in, but ultimately these were big public companies. And I wasn't consulting like small businesses. I wasn't involved in a small business. I never started a business. And so when I started Gigantic, I didn't really know much about. It seems simple, like a lot of people can relate to food and beverage. And if they're a career changer or leaving the industry coming into CPG, they think, oh, this is going to be real simple. I know what a pretzel is. I know what a chip is. It's such an easy thing, but it's not. And there's so many idiosyncrasies. And when you change industries also, I came from an industry where almost nothing could surprise me at, at, at some point. Nothing in that game I was playing, I, I might be like, oh, that's new. I knew how to approach it. Mm. And when you change industries, you don't have that. You don't have that experience. You also don't have the BS meter that you have. But there's always people in the industry who are really don't know what they're talking about, but they sound smart. And over time, you can understand when someone's got that <laughs> going on. Mm. You come, I'm so easily fooled by anyone saying the right things when, when, it, when I started. So it wasn't really so much a business, a well-formed business when I started at all. This is just a long way to say like, um, when I started, this was just like a creative project and an experiment mm -hmm. to see if this maybe had traction in the marketplace and could become a business. So now I'm just in the process of trying to make it into a business. From the start, I always understood just having a financial background and financial modeling, I understood the numbers and the margins and that sort of thing. But the sort of nuts and bolts and the blocking and tackling of how to grow a CPG business. I knew nothing about and have only learned the hard way. And by the way, I wish I'd known about the course that you offer to people. Just a, just a shameless plug for your course, which I haven't taken but wish. I don't know when you started offering that. It would have been the perfect thing for someone like me to have like a little boot camp like that and like cover all the bases. Because the other problem is you don't even, you don't know what you don't know. Like I'm learning things along the way, but I don't even know where some of my blind spots are. But over time, what I've tried to figure out and I've tried to find the right advisors, find the right consultants who, now that my BS meter is also a little bit better, find people who are the right fit for me, for Gigantic, who I think can really help. And so I've built up a better consulting advisory team around me. And so the way I'm approaching business now is having gone through D2C for a couple of years and especially gone through a couple of summer seasons where it's really problematic to be shipping something that can melt in the summer. It's not really the way you want to be growing this business. I'm really focused on wholesale and getting the product into stores, which is the original vision, really focused on understanding how to build such a system. The distribution system is complex and there's a lot of idiosyncrasies to it. And for chocolate, even more, because again, chocolate needs to be protected from heat and not all distributors can handle that. So I'm just trying to navigate and build out a system where we can put this product into distribution, get it into the right retailers and try to do it in such a way where we can get this product into people's hands. That's the main thing is like getting the product into people's hands in the store where they can see it, where they can grab one or grab two and try it. And from there, we get some fans. From there, we get repeat customers and grow it out from there. 
ultimately, my vision for Gigantic is that it's one of the biggest candy brands of all time. I really think that's that's the goal. That's the goal. And with a product that's both better for you, more delicious for a lot of people, hopefully we can achieve something like that. And you're going in a category that people already know, they're already familiar with. There's no education. It makes a lot of sense, right? Everyone knows candy bar. Everyone's had a candy bar. But exactly like you said, you grew out of it. And I think it's also very, not on trend as if it's going to go away, but consumers are now looking for, oh, let me have something that is reminiscent of other times, but like, how can it evolve with me as well? And Gigantic has been able to do that. And when I look at your packaging, awesome, so stand out. It does grab the attention of the shopper. And I, I, I am envisioning it like with you right there next to the major players at checkout and people being able to grab that. And honestly, not even knowing sometimes that this has lower sugar or it's plant-based, fair trade chocolate, but then being really like delighted about that afterwards, realizing that, but the taste isn't compromised, which I think is the hardest piece. And you have been able to accomplish that. Yeah, it's true. Everyone knows what a candy bar is. I think the challenge for us is that a lot of people are checked out of the category. A lot of people who walk the, the candy bar category at Whole Foods is not very large. There's a lot of dark, like dark chocolate bars, but the things that are not next to the dark chocolate bars are supposed to be more like candy bars is not a big category. Mm-hmm. So it's really, hopefully we're going to bring people back into that category. I think the people who appreciate Gigantic the most will be the people who were like me, were like lapsed candy bar fans. Never really loved the candy bar. They might try Gigantic and say, that's great. Thanks a lot. And not really think much about it because to them, it's not like a special treat or a special event. But for people who like really love candy bars at some point in their life and try Gigantic, those are the people who get most excited. Those people who gave up candy bars like, oh my God, I can eat a candy bar again. Not only can I eat a candy bar once, and not talking about eating a candy bar once a month, I can pretty much eat a candy bar when I want again. And that's pretty exciting. Well, those are the consumers we're looking for. And I think a lot of those consumers are also eating candy bar surrogates right now. There's a massive section in any health food store of just bars, bars like nutrition bars, granola bars, whatever. And some people, I think, legitimately love those bars they eat. But there's some portion of people who are eating those bars. Every time they eat it, they wished it was a candy bar (laughs) or were trying to imagine it was a candy bar while they're eating it. So I think there's that portion of the market also. And hopefully it is easy enough to understand what Gigantic is. Like you said, the key thing is getting people to try it. And what is your strategy there right now? How are you introducing Gigantic to these lapsed candy bar users and getting them to try, buy, and love it? Yeah. I wish like Instagram had a targeting for lapsed candy bar. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That'd be perfect. We can serve the ads directly. By the way, on social media, I haven't done any advertising in a real long time. We, we, when we launched, we did some paid media, but just gave it up. It was a, becoming a very crowded and difficult market. And if you're like a beginner at it, we were, there was, it was easy to recognize that we were up against difficult odds <laughs> without the expertise, <laughs> such a thing. It would have been just destructive of capital to continue that. But I'm going to try it again now that I've learned a lot more in terms of just advertising to people and trying to target and trying to get our product just marketing in front of people, but ultimately it's like getting it on the shelves of these great stores where, or where whether they're a health conscious person or a foodie or the intersection of both are shopping and get it in the candy section. All those stores have some sort of chocolate or candy section and get it into that set so people will see it. And hopefully we have the marketing and the branding, that little bar screaming gigantic with its like bright colors is going to catch your attention and get you to try it. So it's really getting it into stores. We had some awesome press when we launched and it, it might be worth with the V2 and, and trying to ramp up into retail, doing some more, trying to engage the press again a little bit. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I do feel like it is this category that people have been waiting for something like this. I think once people hear it, then they are curious. And with like how it looks, people are like, okay, yeah, I want to try this. And then I can go and find it, whether it be in store or online right now. But it definitely piqued their interest. And it was really just how do we get people to know about this thing that they have been secretly waiting for someone to create as they like me have a piece of chocolate with peanut butter on it and a <laughs> walnut. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a great healthy chocolate bar. And then it's so sad. And there are people out there that you can help save from those sad after dinner snacks. For anyone who is thinking of an idea or is in the same situation as you, like, hey, I used to enjoy this type of product. I can't find it now. Maybe I should start a food product or a beverage product like I know you are originally working on. But I don't know what the heck I'm doing in this industry. What advice would you have for them? You've obviously learned a lot in the past few years. What advice would you have for anyone who is in the early stages or maybe even someone who's in like V1 is, it's good, but I'm thinking about doing a V2. Should I do it? Should I not? What advice would you have for anyone like that? Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think it really pays to try to get as educated as you can before you start or even shortly after you start, which I wish I had done differently was trial by fire. So resources like you and your course or bootcamp with some food founders, uh, food brands that sell, recommend that or anything. Just try to educate yourself as much as you can and get prepared so you understand everything you're getting into. For me, there's just so many new products all the time that are launched all the time. I think you should think long and hard about the innovation behind your product. Is it really substantially different than what's already on the shelf? If not, Maybe keep working on the idea or working on the concept or think about what could you introduce to consumers or to retailers that's going to be completely new and really appeal to consumers and, and, a completely, and give them a new experience and a new option that didn't exist before. Pretty much everything that's just a copy of the traditional product has already been done. You can get a natural version of pretty much anything on the shelves at Whole Foods or Sprouts or whatever. Don't just make another natural version of a Cheeto or whatever. It's already done. Think about What's the completely new snack that you can make that doesn't exist? That would be a completely new and exciting experience for people. I guess that's how I think about Gigantic. I think it's just, I'd be wary about putting a lot of my life's effort and resources or anyone else's into something that is only marginally different than what already exists. I think the innovation is really key. And if you don't have the mindset of the resources for this, I think you have to really think long and hard about the branding and packaging against a really crowded market. And you just don't want to bring something to the market that doesn't have every advantage you could give it. <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed to be a success no matter what. Gigantic could still be a failure also, but you want to go in with all the advantages you can. So it's not just the innovation in the product, but also think about your messaging. What, how are you going to communicate what you've done to consumers? Not just you in person on a podcast, but how is your package going to do that on shelf when you're not there? You're there 99.9% of the time. Like your packaging has to do it. Your Instagram has to do it or your website has to do it. So think long and hard about those things as well. Yeah, you can't just make the better for you pretzel with boring packaging and I think that's going to succeed. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Absolutely. Both getting the upfront information and making sure that you're going forward with your best foot forward and also letting your package speak for you in a way. Like I love how your packaging is sort of sweet candy bar that tells me what do you mean sort of sweet candy bar? Like that kind of gets the intrigue and then people can obviously see that it looks like a real candy bar, the packaging. 
really stands out on shelf and online and they can really understand and it makes it easy for the shopper to make those decisions when no one is there, right? Like when no one is there, it's just them walking down the aisle, doing their everyday shop. How do you stand out? And I think you guys have done a really fantastic job um, with that. I was like, when I look at your product, I actually start to like salivate. Like the imagery and everything is so spot on like candy bar, which is exactly what people are looking for. So I think that's really fantastic. Packaging was meant to, even if you don't pick up the package, it was always just meant to give you like, give you like a little sunshine in your day, you know, just make you almost chuckle or smile when you see it, even if a candy bar is not for you. And yeah, the word sort of sweet was also a word that we, that we came up with, a made up word and but very purposely to make it interesting for people, but also just make it self-select consumers. Mm-hmm. This candy bar doesn't sound good to you. Great. Move on. There's no reason totally. for me to try this. If you want your super sweet candy bar, there's plenty of those out there. If sort of sweet candy bar doesn't interest you at all, you don't need to pick it up. But it's a way to just be a beacon to like someone who is the right consumer for Gigantic as well. And that's a really hard thing to do on package. But even by doing that, like it's very intentional. It's very clever. By saying sort of sweet chocolate bar, you automatically position in someone's mind, oh, everyone else is super sweet, right? And that automatically does it without necessarily saying low sugar candy bar. You say it in a way that naturally triggers to the consumer's mind what you want them to think and for that right shopper to pick it up automatically. Yeah, that's the idea. It remains to be seen. We can agree all we want. It needs to be fully tested in the real world once we're on enough shelves. But yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, absolutely. And just one final thing, I think. I don't know, I've got so much I want to talk about with this product. But you, you guys have done a really fun job with the brand. You mentioned sort of sweet, kind of made up. You, you have a few other pieces on your website. And when you talk about the brand where you're like, we made this fact up. And like pieces like that, that's very playful. I am very curious. You used to be a finance guy. The computer monitor's up here. Did you always have this like playful nature? Is that your innate key? Or were you like, hey, this is the category. I need to really step into that and make that happen. I don't know. Talk to me a little bit about that. I've always been like a little immature. Something happened in my sort of like personality development where I didn't get like the full adult like development or gene or something. Even though I am an adult, I have three kids and I have a lot of adult responsibilities. I could never be someone who could go into politics or something super serious. I wouldn't want to be a surgeon. I just have always had this sort of desire to have fun experiences, to be involved in fun stuff. And bringing Gigantic in the wor- into the world for me is super fun. And hopefully it, it brings joy and happiness to other people. And that's the whole point of a candy bar. It's delicious and fun and, and joyful. And, and that's the type of thing I wanted to work on. And my finance job really fit me pretty well, just because I did feel like it was a video game. There's lots of finance jobs that are different than that, where like you're constantly calling on clients and trying to get business and going to meetings and stuff. I couldn't tolerate a finance job like that. I had to do something that was more like a game to me. And I, I mm-hmm. found my right fit in finance. And yeah, so when I came in this industry, it is all about a fun product. And I couldn't have made something super serious. It wouldn't be a, a fit of, for my personality. And Gigantic, like a lot of brands, founders, brands are, are an expression of themselves, something that they wanted, something that was within them that they're putting out into the world. Just like a musician might say, like the songs they write are just coming from from them. It's like our creations... As founders are often just coming from like within the well of 
our experiences, our personalities, our desires, and that sort of thing. And that's what gigantic is. I love that. I love how you've brought this product to the world. You brought playfulness to it. And you have continued with this joyful piece that you are bringing to other people and really changing a category that I think retailers obviously should be very excited about. I mean, you are bringing a whole bunch of new money. You're bringing consumers back to a category that they've literally left, which is very exciting for them and for consumers who have been longing for a product like this or feeling super guilty if they like scarf down a Mars bar or something. Thank you on behalf of candy bar lovers and retailers <laughs> for bringing this to the market. Fantastic product. Dude, thank you so much for sharing your story and for everything you guys are doing with Gigantic. For anyone who wants to grab themselves some Gigantic candy bars, where can they find you? It's still primarily on our website, giganticcandy.com. We do have a store finder in there. We're in a bunch of places in the New York City area. And outside of New York City, it's pretty limited. So you'll have to put in your zip code and see. We're going to be rolling out to retailers this year um, as the year goes on. So we'll make those announcements when we're fully able and, and competent to. But definitely some exciting stuff in the works where um, I can't wait to get these products on the shelves and make them more available and accessible to people. Awesome. For now, everyone, you can go to giganticcandy.com then or go follow you guys on Instagram too. You guys are super fun on Instagram. And I'm sure you'll be announcing there when you get those new store listings. And I look forward to seeing you guys next to all of the major players sooner than later. Absolutely. Do thank you so much for your time and best of luck with everything. Thank you, Ainsley. It's been fun talking to you. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.